Let's start with a simple question this morning. How many of you guys feel like you got enough sleep last night? Ah, we got two, three. All right, all right. So you guys are going to set the tables and set the food. No, just kidding. (laughs) Awesome, great, right? Like, it's really interesting as we we think about life and how uh, different things affect us, right? There are times when there is emotional stress and worry and, and maybe fears or concerns that we have, and that weighs on us, and it weighs on us in such a way that we feel tired and drained, not just mentally, but also physically. And then there are times when there are physical stresses on our bodies. Maybe we didn't get enough sleep, or we've been running really hard, or something like that, and that affects our ability to think clearly, right? It's like, I can't think clearly because I'm just in a fog because all I want to do is sleep. This morning, we're going to be talking about another fundamental question when it comes to humanity. We've been discussing how mankind is made in the image of God, and we've been talking about the implications of that. We've been discussing how life is sacred, and every life needs to be valued from from the youngest in the womb to to the oldest, how... Every human being matters, no matter their age or social status. We discussed last week how the, the, the human race is, in fact, one race. It was from one man that God made every nation of men, and there's this fundamental unity of humanity. And this next fundamental question that we're going to look at is simply, what does it mean to be a human being? We've talked about Human beings are made in God's image, but what exactly is a human being? And so this morning we're going to be talking about how we as humans are body and soul. What is a human being? As we look at the scriptures, we see that mankind has both material aspects and immaterial aspects. Now, material, I mean like the stuff of, of, of the earth, right? Like matter and energy, and all that kind of stuff, right? Mankind is made up of matter. And yet, we also see that there's this other aspect where there's non-physical stuff, the, what we often call the soul or the spirit. And this is the way that human beings are described in the Scripture. Now, there's this theological debate that happens, and it's about, you know, how many parts does mankind consist of? What does it mean to be a human, right? And there's some people who say, one, that we just are our bodies, right? There are other people who would say, there are two, we are body and soul. And then there's another group that would say that we're three, we're body, soul, and then they distinguish between spirit. I'm not necessarily here to to answer that debate for you this morning. That's not exactly what we're going to talk about. So for our purposes this morning, we're going to just say, we're at least two parts, and I'm going to use the word body to describe the material part of us, and I'm going to use the word soul to describe the immaterial part of us, the non-physical, the spiritual side of us, and we see that Scripture uses a bunch of different words for these categories, and as you're reading the Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, you'll see things on the material side, that, that humans are, uh, have a body, they're made of flesh, they're made of blood and bone, right? We Sometimes here, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? And then on the immaterial side, you'll see many different words used. You'll see the word soul or spirit or mind when we're talking about the intellect and our, our, 
reasoning faculties. Uh, in Scripture, the word heart doesn't just mean emotions. The way that we use the word heart today, when we say follow your heart, it's like, well, what do your emotions want? want? Um, what, what do you feel like is the right way to do, do things? Like, that's not exactly what Scripture uh, describes when it uses the word heart. For, for the Hebrews, the heart was the seat of thinking, emotions, and desires. So all kinds of different words that are used to describe the non-physical, spiritual side of us. When we look at the creation of humanity, we see that God used material to form man. We have two accounts of creation in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is this great big overview, and we've looked at that, right? Genesis 1, 26, let us make God in our image and uh, let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. God blessed them and, and, and um, said, be fruitful and multiply, right? Then we get into Genesis 2, and it kind of zooms in. We had this overview in Genesis 1, and in Genesis 2, it zooms in, and we see a little more detail about the creation of humanity, specifically man and woman. But we're going to look here in Genesis 2.7. It says, um, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This is talking about the material that God used, that we are from the dust. We are made of the stuff of the earth. And as we think about what it means to be a human being, we need to understand that we are embodied souls. We are not simply spiritual beings like the angels or like God himself who is spirit, nor are we simply physical beings. But there's this, this union between the physical and the spiritual. We need to realize, and I think we do, we just kind of take it for granted, but this is a simple fact, that without our bodies, we can't interact with the world. Everybody, reach out in front of you and grab that Bible in the pew with your mind. You can't do it, right? Like, that would be awesome, right? You see it in movies, like the superheroes, they can just think and things happen, right? That, that would be kind of cool, although I don't know that you guys would want all my thoughts to come true. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, like God has created us in such a way that we interact with creation through our physical bodies. And so if we want to grab the Bible, we actually have to reach out and grab the Bible. Over and over again, you see this duality in, in, uh, in, in I'm going to say, um, explained and taught. All right, so Jesus, when he's talking about this dual nature of the human being, uh, and he's encouraging his disciples, he's sending them out, and he's basically saying, you guys are going to be persecuted. But, but here, I want you to pay attention to something. He tells them, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. Now, this verse, when you read it kind of just as it is, it's a little like, it feels a little threatening because we're talking about hell. Remember, we discussed hell a number of, about a month ago or so, so you can go back and look at those scriptures. But Jesus is actually using this statement to encourage the disciples. He says, you're going to face opposition. People aren't going to like you. They're going to attack you. 
Don't be afraid of them. They have no ultimate power over your soul. They can attack your body, but don't be afraid of them. Rather, serve God. And by the way, God knows all that happens on the earth. Even the little birds, the sparrows, not one of them uh, falls to the ground without the Father knowing. In fact, the Father knows the number of hairs on your head, so you don't need to be afraid. But here we see Jesus affirming both body and soul. So when we think about the nature of humanity, that we're both physical and spiritual beings, that there's this union of them, it's important that we realize God's purposes and plans. We need to think about how we share the gospel, because the gospel is holistic, all right? That means that both body and soul matter, that there is good news for every aspect or every part of me as a human being. There is hope. We see in the Genesis account that mankind rejects God and that they fall away and they're separated from him. They're separated from the giver of life, the source of all goodness. And we are all suffering as a result of that separation, the brokenness that we experience in our relationships, the, the troubles that we experience and um, wrestle with in our hearts and our minds, the physical ailments that we have, they're all a result of that fall and the effect that sin had on creation. But God seeking to save and to redeem and restore us as human beings um, comes and offers salvation. And we see Jesus coming to the earth, and he's going out, and what's he doing? He's proclaiming the good news, right, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we see examples of what that kingdom is going to look like. And Jesus doesn't come and simply say, get right with God, but he also heals the sick. He raises the dead. Blind, the blind see, the lame walk. Like Jesus is concerned about people's physical bodies. I think about that example in Mark chapter 2. There's this paralyzed man, he's on a mat, and his friends are around, and uh, they know Jesus is in the, in the house over there, and there's so many people around, crowded inside and outside the house, that they can't get in, but they know their friend needs to be healed, and so they want to take him to Jesus. And they all grab the mat, and they carry him up on the roof. Now, their roofs are a little different. They were flat, and um, what they do is they carry him up on the roof, and they dig through and lower him down to Jesus. They want their friend to be healed. Now, what are Jesus' first words to that man? What does Jesus say? Does Jesus immediately heal him? No. He says, your sins are forgiven. He deals with his spiritual condition, the condition that we all have, the rebellion against God that we carry in our hearts. He says, your, your sins are forgiven. Everything that you've done wrong is, is forgiven. And then Jesus heals the man. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man walks out of there that day. Jesus was concerned about both aspects of this man, both his spiritual life and his physical life. It's important that we do not emphasize one side over the other, either the physical or the spiritual. I think sometimes as Christians, we can have a tendency 
to over-spiritualize things. And everything is about what's happening in the spiritual realm. We make it all about the soul, and we kind of ignore the body. We think, you know, one day God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth, and I'm going to be with him in eternity, so whatever happens here in this life doesn't, you know, it's no big deal. Whatever happens to this earth, it's all going to be done away with anyway. And we downplay the body. You know, there's some systems of thought that kind of treat the body as a problem, and the body as evil. The Greeks thought this way. They thought the body was the prison of the soul, and they were looking forward to a time of death where that soul would be released, and there would be this enlightenment and this freedom that would come when the soul was separated from the body. That's not the picture that God gives us in His Word. God cares about both body and soul. They're important to Him, and God works in our physical needs and our desires. God works in our um, spiritual needs and spiritual desires, and we need to make sure that we are taking into account the full nature of our existence, and that we don't ignore our bodies, and that we don't ignore our souls. Like, as I think about my life, there's sometimes when I need to pray. Like, I need to try to get myself in line with the Word of God, and listen to His voice, and have Him transform me. But then there are other times that I just need to take a nap, right? Like, you got to learn to discern those things, right? Sometimes I have a bad attitude because I have, like, spiritual problems going on. Sometimes I have a bad attitude because I didn't sleep very well and I, I need to just deal with my body, right? Both are important because God treats us as, as a unified whole, not that we should separate and parse out which one is which and what we need to do, but we're, we are a unified whole. The way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we exercise affects the way we think, and scientists have found that the way we think, our thought patterns actually can change the brain. There's this interaction between the two, and we need to make sure that we're taking good care of ourselves. We see this affirmed in 1 Timothy 4. It says, um, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. Right? So acknowledge physical training is important, but make sure you're also not neglecting the spiritual side of things. Don't get stuck on what you see in front of you. Think about your spiritual life as well. Paul, as he's, as he's talking about sharing the gospel with people, he says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, like, when it comes to thinking about my body, I need to make sure that it is not my master and that it is not in control. Yes, I have desires, I have appetites, I have hunger, I have urges, whatever, but it's not in charge and I don't want to simply think about the spiritual thing, but I want to discipline my body so that ultimately I can stand before God and be in right relationship with him. The body is so important to God that he is going to raise it from the dead. That There is going to be a bodily resurrection, and it's what we're looking forward to. You know, we think about this, like, you know, I guess theoretically, like, we could live in eternity as spirits, right? There's no particular reason I, I, that I can think of that we would have to have a body other than maybe we would cease to be human beings at that point. If, if a human being is um, a, a united body and soul, maybe we could live in eternity as spirits, but that's not God's plan. That's not what he reveals in his word. God 
created the heavens and the earth. He created humanity, and he looked at it, and he said, it was very good. And God is going to redeem his good creation, the full nature of his good creation. Think about the example of Jesus. We serve a risen Lord. Jesus Christ was crucified. He died for our sins, that we could have access to God, and God raised him from the dead. And when you see how this takes place, Jesus appears to his disciples. We'll read this in Luke chapter 24. It says, Jesus himself stood among them. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why did doubts rise in your minds? Look at, the, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He asked them for something to eat, and it says they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So Jesus, as he appears to the disciples, he's reinforcing the idea he's not just there in spirit. He's not a ghost, but rather he has been raised in his body. They can touch him. He can eat. You know, his picture of heaven is the, the marriage supper of the lamb, like this great feast in heaven. We're going to eat today. Everybody looking forward to it? What time is it? We're going to eat later. Yeah. Um, but like, I kind of like the idea of eating in heaven because I enjoy eating down here. You know, that's going to be pretty cool. But, but Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. I've been raised in bodily form. And this is our future as well. It's not just Jesus. The scripture says that God is going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's discussing the resurrection. And he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. And he's talking about death here. Um, but we will all be changed. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. See, this is God's design. This is God's plan. We were separated because of our sin, because of the wrong things that we do, and because we're separated from the source of life, we suffer the consequences of death. And our bodies in this earthly existence, they wear out, they decay, they ultimately die. But God says he's going to raise us up, and we're going to be changed. And though these bodies are perishable, they're mortal, they're going to be transformed to where they're not going to wear out, they're not going to decay, they're going to be imperishable is what it says, right? And at that point, there's no more death. Death is gone, and we have life with him through Jesus Christ. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So it's important as we think about what it means to be a human being, both for ourselves and as we share this good news with the world, that our message comes with, with both aspects of that good news. God seeks to save souls, and God seeks to heal and redeem and restore bodies. It's one of the reasons as we share the gospel that we share stuff with people, that our gym is, is full of stuff, because we have physical needs in this life. We want to have a holistic approach. There's another important consideration that we want to have when we think about what it means to be human, both body and soul. And that's this. 
as human beings, we have gifts and we have limits. We are finite embodied creatures, and finite means that we have limits. We're not all-powerful. We're not all-knowing. We're not everywhere all the time. Sometimes we wish we could just think about that thing over there and make it happen, but that's not the way that we've been created. We live in space and time, and we're limited by those things. And in fact, we're dependent on creation. Like the way God set this thing up, he, he tells them at the very beginning, like, you can have all the plants for food, right? We need to, to, to eat in order to sustain our bodies. After the flood comes, he tells Noah that they can um, uh, have the animals for food as well. And the thing is, like, if with, without that kind of sustenance, our bodies wither and we die. We see this in Jesus' life. As Jesus takes on flesh, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, comes to earth and he takes on humanity. He, he comes in bodily form. And when you read the Gospels, you see these things. He's hungry. There are times when he's thirsty. There are times when he's tired. One of my favorite stories ever is um, the storm is happening and Jesus is in the boat sleeping on a pillow. It's like very specific. He's just chill and relaxed. All the disciples are like, why are going to die? And they're being tossed in the waves and Jesus is just sleeping on a pillow. Like he's just relaxed about it, right? But he needed sleep. He needed to eat. Jesus embraced these human limits. And we have to learn to live within our limits. As human beings, we have different mental and physical capacities. When you think about the physical side of things, there are just biological differences. God created male and female, and there are differences there. As human beings, we look around the room and we see uh, the many different ways in which we differ, maybe height or weight or physical strength. Like, any of you like to play sports? I like to play basketball. I haven't played basketball in a while. It's been, been, uh, been some time, but even when I haven't played basketball in a while, every now and then I have a dream about playing basketball. Like, this is a real, like, I have dreams about playing basketball. And in those dreams, I can always dunk the basket. Like, I can jump up, and I can jump basically as high as I need to and just slam that ball through that hoop, right? Like, it ain't ever going to happen in real life. It's just not, you know? Like, I, I, I can barely touch the bottom of the net when I jump up there. But in my dreams, I can slam it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And then I wake up, and I'm back to reality, right? But there are people who are much taller than me, and they can easily just reach up there and dunk that ball, right? God created us differently. And those differences are blessings, but they also present us with limits. Ultimately, we're not God. We can't do all things. Similarly, there are mental capacities that we have. We have mental strengths and weaknesses. You know, some people, they're really great at math. Other people, they're like, numbers are not my thing. Other people love language or art or engineering or whatever the case is. We all have these God-given abilities, some things that we're just naturally drawn to and naturally good at. We accept these things as gifts, and even our limits can be gifts. Each person has unique blessings, and each person has unique 
challenges. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we not like categorize people into different groups. Because while they might be similar in some ways, there are many differences among that group. And we need to treat each person as a unique creation and a unique gift from God. We live within those limits. We have to learn to accept our limits that we're not God and we receive those as a gift. Limits are not bad because a lot of times you'll hear people talk about overcome your limits, break through. And, you know, there's certain things that we limit ourselves and God wants to take us further. But there are other things like I'm just always going to be like five, seven and a half. I'm not going to get to seven feet tall. It's just a thing. And I've got to live with it. And God is saying in these limits, you don't have to run the world. I'm God. I'm all-knowing. I'm all-powerful. I can do it just fine. You don't have to worry about trying to do everything. So we receive these gifts that God has given us. We need to eat. We're getting closer. We need to sleep. We have physical and mental capacities. Finally, as we think about human nature being made body and soul, we're called to honor God with the totality of who we are. Again, we don't create this division where it's not necessary, but rather we are a unified whole. We see this affirmed again and again. Uh, scriptures like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is Jesus talking about the greatest commandment. Loving the Lord, living in relationship with him, the, the, the heart side of us, the immaterial side of us, that, that we would be connected with God through Jesus Christ and love him with all of ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Talking about the material side of us. And the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And he enables us to live the life that God calls us to live. He empowers us to do the, the task of sharing the good news with people. We need to get this, and I have to constantly remind myself, because, like, you are not your own. Just say this with me. I am not my own. Ready? I am not my own. There's a part of me that rebels against that, because I want to do things my way, and I want to make sure that I have my time and my space to do my thing. I am not my own. And this is not in any kind of negative sense. It's when, when Jesus says, like, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's like Jesus comes in and he frees us from all those things that hold us down, that bring us to a point of death and destruction, and he gives us life in him. And we have the opportunity to honor God with our bodies. Romans 6 repeats this idea. He says, don't offer your bodies to unrighteousness, to wickedness, to evil but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So when I come before God, I, I thank him 
for the ways that he's made me, even maybe the things that I don't like that he's made about me. They're a gift that I accept and I thank him and I offer it all back to him. And I get to live in this relationship where we partner. Because remember, God's original uh, picture and purpose for humanity was that we would rule and reign with him on the earth. As his children, as his sons and daughters, that we would rule and reign and be stewards of all that God has created on the earth. And so I come and I offer myself, every part of me, as an instrument of doing what is right, doing what is good. And I join with him in his rule and reign over the world. So we honor God with all that we are. Well, let's sum this up today then. What does it mean to be a human being? This is important for us as we wrestle with different issues in our lives, whether physical issues or psychological issues or emotional pain or spiritual issues, whatever it is, what does it mean to be made? Um, what does it mean to be a human? And that is, well, we have both material and immaterial parts of us, body and soul, spirit, flesh. And God seeks to redeem. He seeks to save. He seeks to restore every aspect of humanity. We realize that we all have gifts and we all have limits. And we accept those before God and we take the totality of our lives and we offer it back to God. In relationship with Him, we live this um, life that is full and abundant and we take hold of the life that is truly life before God as we live with Him and seek His righteousness, His goodness and glory, and we receive the blessings of joy and peace and hope in the Holy Spirit. Don't take your body for granted. Don't take the spiritual side of you for granted. Don't just focus in on one or the other, but rather let God bring healing every part of you. This is what we seek from him today. Would you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for an opportunity to study your word deeply and look at it, look at what it is you have made us to be. God, I thank you that each person has value and dignity, that each person was created in your image to be like you. And God, as you have given us the gift of both body and soul, I pray that we would honor you with them as you work in us to bring about wholeness and restoration, as you overcome the brokenness of our wrong actions, the brokenness of those who hurt us. God, you seek to save both flesh and spirit. We pray that you would do your work in Jesus' name. Amen.